0: welcome to the spiritual geek out podcast i'm your host diane hudock where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating from angels to energy healing from mystical places to mystical teachings this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul Welcome to another episode of the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, and my guest this week is Adam C. Hall. He is the author of Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve. It is a spiritual unveiling that unpacks 13 universal wisdom teachings he discovered on his shape-shifting journey, which led him from the shores of Santa Barbara, California, to the jungles of Peru. In this episode, we address the gravity of what it really means to come into our own divine genius. The thrust happening right now on our planet of our evolutionary potential, the invitation, and the human operating system 2.0. He shares many transmissions that he received during his journeys in the Peruvian jungle with this energy he refers to as men. And we cover such potent topics as free will versus divine will, moving from evolution to involution, redefining true wealth so that we can dissolve once and for all any sense of scarcity consciousness. And he helps us understand our greatest obstacle to peace. I really hope you enjoy this episode and as always, that it serves you well. Adam Hall, thank you for being on the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. It's great to have you and I, uh, I really look forward to you breaking down how we will get out of this life alive.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to be here with you and... um. I'm honored to to be in this conversation. Um, I love that question. As you know, it's the the question that I pose on the outset of my most recent uh, uh, work, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve. So I'm yours and let's see how we can take this journey to get out of this lifetime alive now, not when we, we die.
0: Amen. I thought we'd start with the sort of beginnings of your journey, just to reference for the listeners, your journey, if you will, of unlearning and to connect with the divine intelligence and uh, an intelligence that I I believe we all um, can connect with if we're open and ready. And that name or that intelligence can have many names. And in your case, it was this energy called men. And I was wondering if you could just begin by describing this intelligence to our listeners. And also, I'm curious, what is your relationship with it now?
1: I'd be be happy to. And, uh, you know, I think the journey for all of us is unique to to each of us individually. And... uh, and I began the, the journey uh, when I was 42, which was uh, 18, 18 years ago, and consciously, uh, that is, uh, and that initially began with really breaking down to break through, and uh, many of us are going through extremely difficult times. Right now, um, my heart uh, goes out to every every everyone out there that is experiencing this tr- tremendous thrust of our evolution, evolutionary potential, and we're being asked to really embrace this greater intelligence, this greater genius that I believe each of us has. Yeah. And so, uh, I see this time as a great invitation, and that comes, you know, whenever that's appropriate for each of us, and for me. You know, that was that was some years ago and it was an invitation to to basically essentially break down. And it's not a a, a question of of if we're going to break down. um, It's a question of when. And when I mean break down, I mean to transform, Mm -hmm. to let die away all that is no longer serving us. And right now, I think we're in a period of time where we're beginning to really be very self-reflective about all that's no longer serving us, both individually, as well as in our culture, as well as in our politics and our economics, and it's sweeping the globe. So these can be potentially powerful times to embrace this great opportunity, and that journey for me, uh, begin with one small step into what I referred to as a very dark, unknown recesses of my own unconscious world. And although painful and difficult, it just begins by showing up and, and asking the questions of, you know, what is, what is the, what is, what am I being asked to learn here? Yeah. Because ultimately that question is a question that I found moves us away from the victim perpetrator mentality, the world of separation of, um, you know, where we seemingly are uh, just judging and projecting and, you know, and finding other people at fault and without taking responsibility. So I begin to have to take some responsibility yeah. and coming from a narcissist and a, and an earth conquering kind of ceo business world i you know i just had to go through that that process and to embrace that greater journey to what some say is an awakening or an enlightened state and just becoming more conscious and today it's meant the world to me because life is happening not to me but life is happening from me in other words it's flowing through From a greater connection to greater connection with you, greater connection with community and family and loved ones, greater connection with Mother Earth, greater connection to the quantum field, the universe, not Mm -hmm. just through the biofield, but... So that arc of evolution from, for me, moving away from that old separate design of the ego mind that I talk so much about in the divine genius and share about how we want to, we want to just, we want to identify the problem, the problem and the source of the problem that keeps us locked in a separation and move beyond the problem because we can't solve the problem from the place the problem was created. (laughs) But the problem is the solution. So the solution I found in in what I share in the divine genius, the unlearning curve, is that we simply need to unlearn the problem. And to unlearn the problem, we need to go back to the source of the problem. And the divine genius offers a process to go back to the source so that we can become the co-creators I, I believe these are an extraordinary period of time, and because I, we are, we are the guru. We yes. we don't need the guru or the priest. We have this power, and it's time. If if you do, if I do say, to take back our power and our truth, and okay. and embrace that, and hopefully that makes some sense, because we're not going to be relying on our government or some teacher or some guru don't wait around for that because you'll be waiting right till the end of time this is this is our moment and this is a time to take that back so
0: i am completely with you and i hope people listening too are feeling this in their bones because i do think this is of the utmost precedent right now that we really not only understand but we start to integrate and act and live like live full hog from this place that we are the master. Like we're the master that's awakening within it's a process, but we don't need to rely on the external. In fact, the more we do that, the more we create separation and disempowerment. And so the old systems that are at play, we know, or at least this is my belief and I'm sticking with it. I choose to believe that they are dying because they're so very loud and aggressive and in your face. Turn on your phone and tell me what's on your newsfeed, right? It's all fear-based. It's all telling you, you need to do this. You need to go here. You need to do this. And look, everybody has freedom of choice. And we'll get into that later because you talk about that in your book versus freedom of uh, free will. And I want to I talk about that. But uh, I think that's something really important to to land on here is that we're changing that old paradigm from finding we need to go out there to find the solution, and it's actually a shift of going ever more or returning back to going inside and activating the master, the guru, the teacher, the commutator, the orchestrator within. So thank you for that. Um, And it makes me think of a story in your book, Adam, which I loved, where you talk about that beautiful staff that you got from that artist in Big Sur, and Mm -hmm. you did a sort of initiation with this staff in the jungle, an invocation, and you realized at one point in this moment in the jungle, when this divine genius said to you, well, and I'm, you know, kind of butchering your words here but yeah uh, you could pick up where i leave off here which is you're not the, the the staff is not it the staff is not the power this thing outside of you is just a symbol right it's an extension but you're the staff you're the one who puts the energy into the staff and it's it's a reflection of that divine energy that you're invoking into this materiality.
1: Well, absolutely, and I think that that is again about reclaiming our truth and our our greater power, and that we get we can give people symbols. We can give our power to uh, all kinds of places, and this is you know shamanically what we would refer to as we're leaking energy. Right and it's and 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 the challenge with this is is that we all share this thought system of the ego Diane that that it, where we surrender our power to a thought system of that lives based upon the on the past in other words we're living in the future's past You know, we have 80,000, 90,000 thoughts a day. Ninety nine percent of those thoughts are all based on past conditioning. Yeah. Now, now this isn't to be de minimis to the traumas and the abuses that 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 we go through in our life. But it's to say, do you really want the past or a person or an event to continue to, to control you and your future? Right. Do you really want that? And that not only is a place of where we surrender power to that story, but it's a place which keeps us disempowered. So the whole idea of the journey that I'm sharing uh, in, in the divine genius is the, is a process, a bridge, a pathway, a stepping stone beyond that old, those patterns of our past. Mm -hmm. And ultimately the return, as you mentioned to the place we never left, the place of our, our deepest power, our deepest truth in our heart, and our soul. Some say that's our authentic self. I call it the genius within you. Everyone has that. And this is the journey is to reclaim that. And, it, and I believe that this is the great imperative right now. You don't want to wait around for this, is to reclaim that power today. And I say that. I don't say that out of fear. I say that out of really cr- riding this great wave of transformational change that's sweeping our globe and will be for the coming foreseeable coming future. But to ride that in a way where you're co-creating, where you're dreaming your world that you want into being instead of having the world dream you into being. So, this is about becoming the co creator of your life. And this is about living your best life now. And we can do that. And we, we just want to come together to reinforce the magnificence of who each of us are and why each of us is so important during these times of
0: change. Well, off of that, what if somebody's listening right now, and most of my listeners have been on the path as far as my, the feedback I get goes, but you know, people tuning in, some people might be new in this journey and new on this planet, and they're listening to you and they're going, I don't get it. How do I become a powerful creator? I don't even know what that means. What do I do? What do you say to that?
1: Well, first of all, I honor you for showing up Mm. because most people don't even show up to reclaim their power. Most people don't even show up to become a co-creator of their lives. Most people capitulate and surrender into a life of fate. Right. Here we are. We're talking about creating a life of destiny. Mm -hmm. And what what we're talking about when we show up first and foremost is that we are taking our power back to to make choices that are empowered by what our heart and our mind and our soul feels is best for us. Not what our parents said, not what society said, not what the church said, not what anybody else said, but what you find is most important for you. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about becoming a co-creator of your life, is that we don't do these things alone in the spirit world. We do them with our spirit guides. We do them with other folks like you that are doing your good work, that are showing up to help people right. to build a better life, right. to create a better life, to move beyond the, the life that is separate away from the co-creative aspect of the universe. We can get stuck in our own left brain or we can fully integrate our right and left brain Our right brain being the creative, more intuitive, visionary brain. And that's where we can begin to really live a creative life. And that was difficult for me, not simply as a man, but for as a dominant left brain guy, very linear uh, type of analytical type of thinking. And when I first started to crack open the right brain of creativity, of writing, of dreaming, of poetry, of just expressing and finding new ways of experiencing the world, it it, it it was a whole new world. So this is the invitation to be a co-creator together because it's not an individualistic thing, although it's uniquely our own. It's about how we play together, how we can play with Mother Nature how we can play with each other, how we can serve something greater than ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Well said. Well, I want to circle back to free will versus free choice.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: because I'll hear or we'll, we'll hear in circles that we have free will, different texts will talk about free will. Some teachers will say we don't have free will at all. We have free choice, but we don't have free mm-hmm. will. And I just love what you mention around this sort of topic in your book. And I'm going to just quote it and sure. have it comment. And you talk about this moment while you're on your journey. And you said, I hear a voice, men, I said. It said that to receive the final mo- movement of creation's hand, I would have to give up free will. I don't know what that means. Free will when you are in the physical body. And free will, when you are without form, are two different things, they say. Mm -hmm. When you are in your form, your individual self chooses. When you are without form, the movement of creation chooses. Do you understand? And you say, I think so. In this sense, he continued, You do not have free will. You are freed from the burden of making a choice. However, Mm. in the divine genius, the separate self becomes one with the creator and you become co-creators. The force becomes you and you become the force. I thought this is true power. I love that wow <laughs> how does that feel when you hear that now do you still get a hit? do you get some cool? oh my it goodness
1: cool? it's so it's 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 so profound i i it took me back to when that was that was being downloaded to me in pentagonia in 2017 that was that was when I kind of began to rewrite the journey of those 81 days and this being a part of the a chapter on free will versus divine will. And um, it's 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 an important thing that I think I that men shared with me and that men was the ascended master that I connected with during my morning meditations who shared with me these powerful 13 wisdom teachings. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and amongst many other things that were shared, like what we're speaking to of divine will versus free will. And and the idea is real simple that um, that in our state of being embodied in this amazing, magnificent thing, we this human operating system we call the body is that we have free will. As a matter of fact, it's the thing that was that was given to us that always remained that we can choose to orchestrate the life that we want it, it it wasn't a matter of right or wrong good or bad we can orchestrate a life of of wholeness of unity we can of spirit or we can orchestrate a light of separation of ego and living living that of that kind of existence well we we chose for for the most part to live in separation in form and this is this this has led us to the place we are today and if you ask me we've come to really the end of the road mm. of this part of our human evolution i speak to this as human 1.0 right and our journey is to leap into our 2.0 version and the idea that we have And what came with us and what our last power is, true power that we have in this form, is free will to choose again. Let me explain. All humans share three things in common. And this is directly from A Course in Miracles and the work that I do in in the course. And that is we share three key things. Nobody nobody doesn't share these things. So we all share three things. One, Diane, being we all have this ego thought system of separation, and we function and have built the world based upon this idea of separate. We're bodies and we're all off doing our own thing and disconnected from nature. And look where that's got us. And I and 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 then we all have another. Choice. We all share this thought system of what I call the thought system of genius. Yeah, this beautiful thought system that some would call the Buddha mind, the Christ mind, the God mind, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I call it the genius mind. We sh- we all have that. Not one of us does not have the genius mind. And thirdly, and lastly, we all share the ability to choose between the two. Mm-hmm. And I wrote this book, Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, because I believe the most important question that we are going to answer individually and collectively soon, and I believe it's time to ask the question and answer it now, why wait to the last minute or when it's too late to even really figure it out, is which system of thought do you want to think? Do you want to exist separately or do you want to exist in your genius mind? And the whole idea of the unlearning curve is, to, is a pathway, a bridge to your genius mind, a place where you can choose, choose again. But to choose again, you got to go back to the source of where you made the choice in the first place to go with the separate mind. So the whole point of what we're talking about here in free will is we have a choice that we can make. We have a choice of a separate thought system of this divine genius mind to embrace the totality of who we are in our greatest potential and not in our separate little teeny selves and that we can choose that again. And that is why we have free will in form because we, we, we still have the power to choose. And it's time to stop giving up our power. I gave up my power for 42 years and it almost killed me. Yeah. I cultivated riches, but I left a whole slew of unhappiness as well. And the idea here is to embrace divine will, which is when we step into our totality of our genius and, And that's where we that's where we don't have to do anything doesn't mean not do anything in the world, but we need do nothing there because life is flowing through us. We are being divinely guided to our greatest and highest potential of abundance, which is which is very joyful and very peaceful.
0: Yeah, I think of one of my teachers, John Roger, he says the soul attributes. There are a handful of soul attributes loving caring sharing health wealth riches fulfillment joy liberation freedom touching but riches are in there and and I don't think he means and I think he would agree that it's necessarily material riches although it could be part of it so I, this is just what's stirring in my mind where a lot of people that are on the spiritual path will have belief systems around riches, around wealth, and they'll say, mm-hmm. well, I can't be spiritual. I can't step into my authentic power. I can't experience my wholeness if I'm rich. And and yet, I'm going to tell you a little story here that happened to me the other day, and it, it told me how powerful I was. and. Um, and before I get into that, I guess the sort of question I want to ask you is: Well, can we be rich and just not be attached to the materiality, and and be woke, or does it require a sort of um, letting go of all materiality?
1: Wealth, true wealth material wealth, spiritual wealth, they're not mutually exclusive. As a matter of fact, they go together. And if they, if somebody is experiencing a belief system, a limiting belief that they don't go together, then that is what I would just say straight up is a, a place of playing small and not stepping up to our greatest potential. Big. Great cultures of our the millennium had no issues with with great wealth. It was all about our relationship with the wealth, uh, wealth and our ability to share wealth, both material wealth and spiritual wealth, as one, not as separate and and conditional, but as one. So. I firmly believe there's a great redefine going on around wealth. I write about it. It's on my website, adamhall.solutions. I speak directly to true wealth. I work with uh, people and leaders, uh, men and women of of wealth. And the, the key there is to move into a place where that wealth is something that's fully integrated in a way that, is allows them to be in a greater receptivity for kindness and compassion and giving because giving is is truly receiving. Yeah. And so if someone is experiencing this and many do I would just say right 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 up front right now that you're you're limiting yourself, you're sabotaging yourself and you're making an excuse for to not live your greatest potential and receive the resources that are here to serve you. Because ultimately, if you, if we're truly living in our spiritual wealth, then those resources that come in financially get to be shared and get to be given only for more expansion of love and joy in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the key attributes that I found in my study and my research around Mm -hmm. The idea of separate mind, this idea, this thought idea of an ego of a separate place that we function and live from throughout our, life, our lives, if you believe in that, is, is a place that offers us one thing that is, is quite, quite consistent. Well, it's totally consistent. That is scarcity. We mm. function from a, a mindset of lack Of lack. I just, I just, actually, if you don't mind me saying, I just published another book three weeks ago after the Divine Genius called The Little Book of Genius for Abundance. Beautiful. It's a really cool little handbook. And in this handbook, you can tap into these mantras and these affirmations and the wisdom of creating abundance in your everyday life really simple, really easy. It's a great little thing. It's actually out on Amazon now. And um, actually really haven't even spoken a lot about it. But I want to see that the abundance of the universe, I want to do whatever I can to support other people and knowing that that abundance belongs to them, not just a 1% or a 0.1% or whatever it is it, it it's it's here for everybody and right. when i say abundance i'm not just talking about material wealth i'm talking about most importantly inner wealth of peace of joy of unconditional love and also outer wealth of of all the fruits of the world that are available to each of us
0: well if yeah. you have all those inner um states living inside of you it's uh very likely that you're going to have that as a direct reflection outside of you in the material realm. So, I'm with you on that. Um Adam, can you describe and you talk about this in your book, the new human operating system according to the di- divine genius and you've talked about, you know, human 2.0 and and how human evolution has come to an end because we're coming into a new new state of being. Um what, what are you referring to when you say the new human operating system? Can you describe that?
1: Yeah, thank you for that. As a matter of fact, my current book that I um, am rewriting right now is, uh, is all about the new human operating system 2.0, um, that we're quantum beings having a spiritual experience uh, in human form. In other words, we are, uh, we are, we are connected. And if you think about it, you know, we, we are the universe right here within our own selves and not to get overly off into our own biology or overly wonky with quantum physics and quantum and science around it. But ultimately um. It, it, it's really the call of my, my Earth mission is to um, help those of us that are showing up and interested in really uh, embracing this, this design of the human 2.0, this divine design. I, as I referred to, and I mapped that design and that blueprint uh, of our interconnectivity with, with the quantum field. So when I'm talking about Human 1.0 and Human 2.0, which I I affectionately share through my own story of Adam's 1.0 kind of 3D experience of the narcissist, you know, the the hard driving uh, businessman, the, you know, the person that drinks too much and, you know, is living in a life that is self-absorbed, which I believe the world has very much been designed that way, where the, the beauty is, is there's so much possibility for all of us in our hearts, in our in our, in our gifts that we share. Mm-hmm. But what I believe is that we are leaving the world of strictly being of uh, conscious and co- our conscious evolution is inviting us to move beyond this idea that we're bodies And the idea that we are strictly a body and we have a a brain and a heart and these things is really selling uh, our, our human potential short. Yes, we do live in these physical bodies and these physical bodies will die. But imagine when we tap into this, our, our immortality, our greater potential, which I again refer to as our genius, and when we move away from strictly existing in a 3D bodily form, and we're moving away not only we're moving away also from our five-sense reality, we're becoming multi-sensory humans. We're becoming the, we're connecting ourselves into our, our our greater potential, which is our our, our becoming holistic in our nature. Uh, as we're a whole holographic in our nature and our connection to the greater not just planet but the greater our greater galaxy and our the greater universe. Yeah. So the 2.0 invitation is an extraordinarily invitation to embrace our power, our truth, and to live fully, to live and embrace fully our time of where we are because the old human is dying. Yeah, The 1.0 version, as we see it and as we know it, is run its course. And just because that is dying doesn't mean that you are that that's going to die. And what I'm offering here is we're not that. We're not simply a body. We're not simply in a place of our physicality. And separateness that we all have this greater immortality to get out of this lifetime alive now, to live fully now into the 2.0 nature. It's here, folks. It's here. Many are writing about it. My good brother, uh, Gary Zukov, just wrote a book, Universal Human. Uh, Neil Donnell Walsh has been writing about this. Uh, the late beloved Barbara Marks Hubbard. We did a course, well, she did, and I was part of it uh, around uh, the, the human, universal human. So in this shamanic lineage that I come from, it's been great, much, very much part of our prophecy of the homoluminous, the light being. Yeah. And the divine genius, the book that I wrote, The Unlearning Group, is sets forth a bridge to that 2.0 nature. It bridges 1.0 to 2.0. We do have to take a bit of a leap. We do have to move down uh, down our path, our evolutionary path. But we can do it together. We can go consciously, lovingly, caringly, and joyfully. You know, have a, you know life is way way too important to take serious.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing I'm noticing in all my sessions with my clients is that no matter what they're experiencing, no matter what trauma is coming up ready and willing to be cleared, no matter what's going on on the planet, no matter what's going on collectively, spirit is really, in my humble opinion, direct experience, and my work is that, and just meditations and living, the the, the hit is is con- consistent, and it's we need to have more fun. We need to return to the childlike nature. We need to be more curious. We need to sing. We need to dance. You know, I just decided I'd pick pick up a guitar and take some lessons. I've had a guitar sitting on my wall, hanging on my wall for the past few years. I've barely picked it up. And I went to, my husband's not listening to this right now. So by the time he does, uh, Christmas will have already arrived. And I got him a ukulele for Christmas because- you know, he, yeah, we love Hawaii and you know, what better of instrument than to connect to your childlike nature and the love of the islands. So anyway, was I went to get the perfect ukulele, uh, for him, uh, of course I'm surrounded by, you know, 60, 70 guitars in the guitar room. So I just picked up what felt right. And my God, it just tears came to my eyes. Cause I thought, Oh God, what's taken me so long. What's taken me so long. Why have I waited? What have I been waiting for? Oh, I had to work. Oh, I've got clients. Oh, I'm a mom. Oh, I got to go from here to there. Oh, I don't have time. Bullshit. We all have time. We all need time. If you don't have time, by God, make time. And it doesn't have to be guitar, but you know what? (laughs) Go plant some flowers on your deck or in your backyard. Do something that invokes more play because that is, I believe, part of the shift, the returning to nature, the returning to our nature, which is play, which is dancing, which is seeing the earth dancing and we are of its soil so let's let's get in a concert with that um i wanted to read this little excerpt from your book off of what you just shared adam uh to just sort of tie it in and i think it's just really wonderful to hear sure. on um, in listeners ears so yes say, and
1: before you say that thank you for invoking the magical child this is a time of of joy the the, the magic is alive and i i love it and it's been a key to bringing a lot more love and abundance into my life is
0: the journey of
1: joy. Thank
0: you. You're so welcome. And um, it's just kind of what we're all getting there eventually, I think. So anyway, so here we are. So you say, the end of my evolution. I knew that I had come from my conception day. So perhaps it was not an ending at all. Yes. You've come to the end of evolution. You see, Adam, you and many others have been selected to participate in the coming evolution miracle. You have been selected to undergo a radical transformation, to return home, with a capital H, to your unique soul design. Then you can help transfigure not only your own design, but also that of humanity. And you go on to say, well, what does all this mean in relation to the end of evolution and the coming miracle, you ask? And says, he says, it means that the evolution process that worked so well for humans over tens of thousands of years has been redesigned according to the divine genius. The primary force of the creative wave will no longer be evolution. It will be involution. Are you saying that humanity will no longer ascend to the higher plane of consciousness, you ask? And he says, no, humans will continue to spiritually ascend and evolve. But what is radically new is this. The evolutionary wave will be matched by the de-evolutionary wave of the incoming divine genius. This will require the dissolution of certain aspects of the current human design. So, Adam, simply embrace the involution. I have a spiral here. I found out about from one of my beautiful beloved teachers, John Belieu, who's been on my podcast. You can check him out on an earlier episode. And this is called the Schalberger Spiral.
1: Mm-hmm. This is
0: a kind of re- reflection or de- demonstration, if you will, of the spiral of involution. It's actually uh, in scientific terms, it's implosion, but everything's a spiral, everything's at play and everything I put inside of it gets permeated into the field. And so as I'm just listening to what, as I'm reading and listening to myself talk, as I'm reading uh, this part of your book, I can't help but think how this is all things like this spiral, right, is coming together so that we can turn on that inner uh, uh, technology so that we can awaken the spiral of life.
1: Well, I love that. And, and this is, this was quite a profound um, download and transmission from man the assist, ascended master, um, because it is uh you know, we're so focused on our evolutionary impulse yeah. and our movement and in ascendance into our greater potentiality, our greater wholeness, our enlightenment, and um, and the the and that is an ascending, motivating force that lifts us into our journey of growth here in, 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 in body and form. And, um, but if we, we turn it over and uh, I'm going to invite you to, to take that uh, spiral that you just shared with me and you, and to tr- take that stone out, but turn it upside down. Okay. And for your audience, you can't see that. Um, but there, there is the involutionary force. Okay. So, so if you imagine that with, with, as a mirror, you have it on the bottom and you have it on the top. There's the descending force that's coming down, which is really the life force, the chi force, the the light that comes in from the center of our Milky Way galaxy that emerges through the universe itself in its connection point it meets the ascending force, the evolutionary force. So there's a there's a point, place where they meet together. And in that place is where the new human, the human 2.0 uh, op- will operate both in its capacity to av- evolution on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And then you, you flip it back down and it descends and it ascends. So if you you, the great thing for the audience to 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 think about is just look at how the the poles in the electromagnetic field of the Earth. Have you ever seen how if you see a, a diagram, a computer generated diagram of the Earth and how the energy moves through the top pole and then out and out and around the South Pole and then back down again? Right. you know what you know what i'm talking about yeah I so know the you. yeah, I yeah so the descending force is is the is the involutionary force which is the descent of the divine it's an inspiring Force. In other words, this is the force of, of spirit and the spiritual nature of who we are. Whereas the evolutionary force, the thrust, is our physical physicality, our evolutionary force of our own journey to our to the, that greater awakening. And the key that that we are bringing forth here today is the connection point between the evolutionary force and the involutionary force. So what I found in my own uh, conscious uh, journey and my own awakening journey, so to speak, is that I came to a... Point in time where there was a connection with something greater penetrating into my own sense of of consciousness. In other words, that's what some say is God, right. and I refer to it as the divine genius that's penetrating the light and the and love in into us. Yeah. And it's a, it's a powerful connection place, and it's a powerful place of to be in perfect equilibrium with spirit and the physical world. Shamanically, we would refer to that as a place of of being in Aini with Munai. Aini with Munai. Aini with Munai means being in relationship with with
0: love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to challenge you for a second on something that you say, uh, Men shares with you in the book, where you say that peace is a precondition to unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And I kind of, you know, I kind of want to challenge that a little bit with you, uh, Adam, (laughs) because I would argue that acceptance, understanding and cooperation, really these sort of spiritual laws uh, um, of balance Um, these would be more precursors to get to love um, or be like a template to get to the unconditional loving. And then I think also coupled with that, I think of like, in because I work a lot in frequency and I think of hertzic frequencies. And I think of, well, like peace is 600 hertzic frequencies, whereas love is a bit below peace. There's peace is about 600 and then above that is about like enlightenment and beyond that is measured at about 700. The lowest is like uh guilt and shame which is around like 20 30 hertz of frequencies. And and so so men says you don't have to do anything to get to peace. But I'd like to challenge that a bit. I I get that we're inherently peace. Like I get, I I get that I understand that that's a part mm-hmm. of my understanding, and and that peace is who we already are. It's who it's our it's our it's really our ground zero. It's our mm-hmm. essence. But I would argue that um, peace is how is peace a precondition to unconditional love? Because if someone can't get to peace, like if someone doesn't have the strategies, like your ex-wife that you talk a lot about in your book, who just would create a lot of havoc, she couldn't get to understanding, compassion, acceptance, which could get her to a state of perhaps loving or at least, at least neutrality, so that she could move into peace. She didn't have the sort of strategies or the the uh, abilities yet to sort of unravel the judgments, so that she could get to her ground state. So, I was just wanted to see what you had to say about that and kind of break that one open a little bit. Well,
1: yeah, and I and it, it is such an important. Um, Um, I guess, um, stable ground, safe ground, uh, trusting place um, because peace uh, fosters um, all, all else. And so I think this is a yes and I would say yes to what you're saying, because there are certain things that need to happen to create the right conditions for peace, whether they're collaborative conditions whether they're acceptance of others. Um, there, are, there are things that are ha- kind of happening in our world, but what, what the key thing that Min is, is speaking to there is unconditional love. And we live in an existence um, that is a very conditional existence I love you if you provide me with certain things. I love you if you do this, this, and this. And then that love is so easily withdrawn, based on somebody's not being fulfilled or their disappointment in um, in the in the experience. In other words, it's a conditional, separate existence that is funct- a direct a function of the ego mind that keeps us separate from each other so the 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 conditions that you're speaking to are all conditions that i believe are important to foster peace and i write about this in the 13 wisdom teachings peace is the the third teaching the first being forgiveness true forgiveness second being true purpose and then We have, excuse me, that uh, then we have death and then we have it's the and then we have life force. But it's the fifth wisdom teaching is peace, because without peace, we can't come to a place where we we don't have conditions. In other words, if we're edgy or conflicted or wanting or stressed out, then we're not going to experience this unconditional nature. So it's very specific. And it's a really the call to each of us that our place of experience is not simply limited to love. It's simply more importantly, I believe is our indelible truth is unconditional love. And that's that's what this is speaking to. And it's it's directly comes forth from A Course in Miracles that is very integral to my work and my study, that there is that in a conditional experience of the separate ego mind, that there is no peace and there never will be peace in that conditional mind, in that conditional experience. And there are very clear obstacles that I teach in my work and all my training that are very specific about obstacles to peace. In other words, when we create peace, grounded, true, lasting, unwavering peace, then all else can emerge from that, including unconditional love. So I I like what you're saying, and I just wanted to add a bit to it because I believe it's a a yes and
0: yeah yeah yes and thank you for that in coloring that in the lines what what does the course in Miracles say that is the greatest block to our peace
1: the the greatest well there's there's a few of there's a few of them there's no there's no one in the particular and um first of all i i the course did not say this but I see this very clearly the greatest obstacle to to peace is ourselves to who we self sabotage ourselves in order to remain in our separate mind in our ego mind to defend that to live in a place where we we need to be not transparent and to hide ourselves in the sense this idea of ourselves uh, i i one of the key things that i Teach is that we need to see things for how they are, not for how we want them to be. But the the to speak directly to your question is there's there's some very key obstacles to peace, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to to one of them. We can re- certainly have an entire conversation <laughs> around that. This is an entire workshop in its own right. But the bottom line of A Course in Miracles, as it relates to the obstacles to peace, is our fear of God. Mm. We fear this idea of God. And I want to replace that word because many have so much difficulty with the word God. And... I want to replace that word with love.
0: Mm.
1: We fear love. We fear the unconditional nature of love. And why do we seemingly fear the unconditional nature of love? Because when we don't, because when we need to live in our separate place of conditioned, our conditioned nature when we move into a place of embracing unconditional love, it annihilates the ego and the thought system that keeps us separate. So we mm. fear we fear our death.
0: Right, ego right.
1: death, the identity death of ourselves. So that is the numero uno obstacle to 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 peace
0: mm.
1: is our fear of God's love.
0: Mm. Got that. Okay. Well, I think about the ego then, and yes, I don't know a spiritual teaching out there that would say lead with the ego for good reason. However, the ego is a part of us. We can't get rid of it because it's part of who we are until we die. It's like a a meditation teacher saying, stop your thought, stop your thought. And I go, you don't know what you're talking about. You can't stop your thought. As long as you're alive, you're going to have synapses running. You could slow down thought. You could slow down the duration of thought. You could create space between thought, which is meditation. You can't just arrest all thought if you have brain activity. Now, maybe if you go into Samahadi or you have some moment of a really profound download and uh, altered consciousness, but still that's thought, still this activity, still that's brain activity happening in some sort of, download through the nervous system from spirit. Mm -hmm. So could circle back with the ego and you talk a lot about the ego in your book and, and where you were to, where you started kind of like this narcissist sort of uh, (laughs) meat suit guy doing his thing, making his money, making bad choices in your marriage and so on and so forth. And having to live with the repercussions of that, and learning forgiveness through all that, um, and it being of course not an easy journey, as it wouldn't be for I can imagine anyone um, with the stories that you share in your book but but my my question is, really, well, the ego is not something we can get rid of it's It's not the master, but the ego helped you make your money so that you could put food on your table. It gave you a beautiful home. The ego helps us get stuff done. It's just, we we, we can't lead by it. So is the ego all that bad?
1: Well, that's not a question.
0: Is that like a koan?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a presumption that The ego exists.
0: It's a presumption that the ego, so the ego doesn't exist?
1: Let me share a little bit. We all share three thoughts, three things in common. We have this idea of our separate self that we call the ego, right? I was speaking to this a little bit. And then we also have this other thought system of the genius, our holistic self our genius self. And then we have the ability to choose between the two. So the, the, the point of the ego the point is simply, it is as a thought that we are separate from the divine nature who we are. And in that thought of our separation, then we are able to construct our lives And we do, me included, because I share that thought system too. And we guide ourselves accordingly to whatever that may be. Create, kill, murder, make lots of money, be of service. All the things that emerge in that thought system. So... The question is not just what that thought system does, but also also understanding the greater totality that I found of its more shadowy, darker side, unconscious side of narcissism, you know, murder, suicides and pathologies, very dark. Energy side of that thought system, mm-hmm. versus the other thought system, of, that is incorporates our three D ego mind and processes in life, but brings light to it and sees that it it as a thought that functions separately from the earth, from others, from the quantum field. So it's not, a, I think, uh, a, I'm not, it's not a way of saying that it's a right or wrong, a good or bad. It's only a function of saying, of understanding, well, what is it and what is it not? And the idea here is that it's a thought of separation. That created and orchestrated and designed a way of functioning and living in the body in the world. And I believe the great invitation, and of course, this goes to the heart of the divine genius, and it goes to the heart. Of where we are right now in our 1.0 3D nature, limited plain small nature, to leaping into our greater totality, our 5D nature, our divine God nature, our Christ mind, Buddha mind, whatever it may be, Krishna mind, whatever that may be for you. So I'm in the I hold a a view that this is a, a an invitation. To see the problem Mm -hmm. that creates all problems, this idea of separation for what it is, good, bad, ugly, not right or wrong, all of it, to see what it is, judge, jury, guilt, all of the things that come with that, and to just see it for what it is and to really say, is that is that where I want to live my life and how I want to evolve my life, or do I want to choose another thought system of the divine genius? And that's the whole idea of of my book in the genius process, and really helping to create a map, Diane, for people to pragmatically step through and beyond that design of the ego and that life existence, because there's so much more. I mean. Think about it. We're not operating at probably even 5% of our greater potential and capacity.
0: Mm-hmm. But did your ego help you manifest the things that at least you wanted in your life, even the, your trip to Peru, like getting on the plane?
1: Uh, oh no! 100 percent. I mean, the whole idea is, you know, in the separation and in the free will of separation. Yeah, was it became? You know, it. You know, that mindset is the survival Darwinian mindset. That that is an has an incessant need. It's a very prime. It's a, it's very primal in its nature and its way of very masculine kind of nature that, you know, really designed a very patriarchal world that we live in now of, of the last kind of, you know, last several hundred years, at least. And the, it, and it, it most certainly made things happen, including disease, yeah, including pathologies. For me, it was drinking. Right. 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 For many others, sadly, it's, it's sexing, uh, a, a, a drug addiction, mental illness, diabetes. You know, we, it's, it's a state of dis-ease, not just disease in terms of our be- not being peaceful, but for being in a state of death. We live to die mm-hmm. in that design. Whereas what I put forth is a, started me on this quest in the first place because I believe the Holy Grail, is getting out of this lifetime alive. Right. Uh, It's not just having a long, healthy life, which I think is great. And we're going to see a lot of that in our biotechnology coming up. But it's getting out of this lifetime alive right now, where we take our consciousness with us. And this whole idea of human 2.0 is a transcendent state. Beyond this simple idea of this ego to move beyond into the world now, that doesn't mean we don't create a better world. We we create we create an entirely new world. That's the essence of this idea of the Aquarian Age, and we it doesn't mean we don't get on a plane and go you know to to the Bahamas and have a nice nice holiday. Doesn't mean we don't have a cocktail. Doesn't mean we you know it not at all. It's how we want to experience it from a transcendent space of how we needing to do it yeah. or fulfilling a whole, you know, I, I think you get what I'm saying. I,
0: yeah, I know yeah. you do. You're, you're, know you're, 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 you're uh, putting a nice bow on it, which is exactly how I was hoping you kind of tie that in. So yes, exactly. I that's, that's just my gist for getting at here is that it's, it's not that you have to go Puritan in your life and you have to sit at home and, and say, I got to, you know, live in my, I got to meditate more and not go out there and have fun. I mean, look, we live in a material world. It's just, what's your relationship to it? And like we were saying, the ego is a part of you. It's just, what's your relationship to it? And how are you allowing that to dictate your reality? Are you choosing separation or are you choosing, um, love? Are you choosing to, uh, as you say, catalyze your being or, Mm. or not? So yeah, well said, Adam. Thank you. Well, after everything you've been through and experienced mm-hmm. in your 62 years online in life.
1: Oh, don't age me. I'm still 60.
0: Oh, you are? Oh <laughs> my god. Oh 60. Oh, you're a fresh.
1: <laughs> my dad. my dad. I'm, I'm I'm I I did <laughs> my birthday this year. I had my birthday this year, and I realized that well, I'm I've got to the fifth halfway mark. I've got I've got another sixty to go. <laughs> but you've got go fresh for baby skin. Uh, well, I'm still I'm 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 doing I'm I'm still a happy hedonist and we can still live our life in a great proportion and and fullness and. But I'd love to, I, I interrupted your question,
0: so forgive me. No, all good. You know, we're playing, and that's, that's part of it. So okay. my question was, after everything you've been through in your sweet 60 years, correction, um, if you could wave a wand, Adam, and go back and change any of those things that created suffering, Maybe the infidelities you talk about in your book or the business choices that you talk about, uh, or any of those, you know, run-ins that you had with certain people that you knew instinctively in the beginning, I shouldn't maybe hang out with this person or work with this person, but you did anyway, if you could go back and wave a wand, would you change any of it? Would you say, and, and forgive me for asking this question, but I'm kind of hitting it hard because- i'm interested in the sort of spiritual um depth of of what may come forward from this this question being a catalyst for that would you would you would you choose differently would you maybe not have cheated on your wife or chose to end the marriage in a in a way where you knew already there was a lack of harmony and did it differently or you would have chosen not to do business with this person or that person or, or anything that you've done in your life as a human that just created suffering or um, dis ease. Would you, mm-hmm. would you have changed any of it? Or would you say no? Cause I needed that to get to this. What, what, what say you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't change one bit of it. Every single bit of it has is, is been instrumental in fulfilling myself with a deep sense of self-love and self-acceptance and recognizing that through my own journey of feeling ab- abandoned and unworthy of not only God's love, but the love of, love of embrace of who I am in my heart and in my soul um, if I was living in, the, in in that rear view mirror, yeah then I would not have be uh, I've gotten out of this lifetime alive. I uh. would be still tethered in um, the past existence mm-hmm. And I say that unequivocally and it's very clear to me and I'm reminded of these choices, particularly with my children the evolution of my, my my deep love for my three daughters that I continue to make choices that honor the sanctity and sacredness of the love that we that I share with them as their father yeah and the sanctity of love that I share with my partner in the world
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so I'm reminded often of some of these choices and I continue to, honor that which I serve, which is greater than myself, which is, which is the love and light hmm. that beams through and from us all. So no, I, ask I wouldn't it, change a thing.
0: Beautiful. And, and um, I, I asked that question um, also in service to those listening, knowing we've all made terrible choices in life. We've all gone down a dark road. We've all had at some point a dark night of the soul, or just chose unconsciously, or just made choices that we didn't know were going to turn out to be uh, uh, something that wasn't so great. And at the time, we thought it was a great choice, you know, and the list goes on. The point is, it's part of the human experience. None of us make all the perfect, rosy choices. And suffering, no one's exempt from suffering and, uh, and getting it wrong. And I don't even think he, that's the right word because we can't, in the big picture, of course, you know, uh, yeah. we can't get it wrong. So I ask that question for those that are listening and go, well, I've made some really bad choices in my life. I've done mm-hmm. some really, quote, unquote, bad things. And, boy, if I could go back and wave a wand, my life would have been so much better if I, oh, really? How do you know that? Maybe mm-hmm. you needed to choose that way at that time because that's the consciousness you were at at that time. That's where you were at at that time in your moment on this planet. And if you went back, you you wouldn't want to change the um, divine unfoldment because it's just that divine unfoldment. So yes. anyway, well, we've gone for about an hour and a half. Is there anything you'd like to end here with the listeners that, you know, you're, you're a fellow shaman, a, a teacher, you have a lot to offer through your own direct experience, and is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners to give them a directive in how they can catalyze their own being?
1: Well, thank you for, for having me. Um, it's been a pleasure to be here with you and to share openly and to explore this amazing journey that we, we all are having. It's um, an extraordinary time. Uh, the earth changes that are underway are really merely a reflection, I find, of the greater inner change uh, that we're all being invited to into our greater potential in our greater nature. And um, when I'm connecting with others and working with others and training them and helping them to move, remove the blocks and obstacles and things that are inherent within all of us and all of us have our journeys and, and fallibilities, and I certainly share mine, warts and all, Ultimately, because I believe that this is a great calling of our time is to, to free ourselves into our greater potentiality, the greater na- greater nature of who we are as human beings. We are coming to a major choice point uh, in our humanity and our, on our planet. And that choice point is ultimately gonna determine the very nature of how the soul of our humanity will go forward and will we carry forward the light and love and compassion and joy and absolute magnificence of who we are in this elegant operating system we call the human body or will we choose to become offloaded or technologically separate from our God nature, or Christ nature, a Buddha nature, or Christian nature, whatever that is. And that choice point is going to really make, uh, um, is going to, deter- well, not make, but it will determine the indelible nature. So I want to extend to all of you an invitation to embrace this absolute magnificence of who you are, not that you haven't, but together, let's do it that way because together it's a lot more fun mm-hmm. and I look forward to a lot more fun with everybody. And please feel free to reach out to me. You can find and reach out to me on my website at adamhall.solutions, adamhall.solutions, all kinds of fun stuff. I just share and give away there and, and, and if you're so inclined, you can certainly pick up my, my two most recent books. One's Divine Genius, The Unlearning Curve, and the other one's Abundance. Let's let's end Lack and Scarcity, mm-hmm. Once and for All. Yes. So, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Blessings. And let's continue this important conversation. It's been most enjoyable to be here with you.
0: Thank you, Adam. It's been great. And yeah, come back on and we'll talk about your manifestation book and we'll break that Sweet, sweet genius down for all yeah. the listeners out there. Hey, guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.